0: Yep, we up. Yeah, what up? What up? Welcome to Carbon Footprint, episode two. Yeah, I don't know I don't even know if we have a name for this one, but that's all right. I'm Sean. I'm Juan, and uh, we about to get into it.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know. I think we just call him whatever when we're. Yeah. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. we uh, we had a name last week. It, shit was delayed a little because we had a name initially, and then we found out that uh, Jimmy Fallon actually had a segment that was called the same thing we were about to call the show. Um so we couldn't use it cuz he had that segment on his night nice show so fuck Jimmy Fallon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's probably like the nicest guy in Hollywood too. <laughs>
0: you know what I recently read a read an interview with that guy um in Howard Stern's book. Mm. And he is. He's like he just kind of comes off as like this really nice guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like even I remember when he first got that tonight show thing he was um like you could tell, he was so humbled. Like I remember watching the first episode, being kind of curious. Like, man, I wonder how how Jimmy's gonna handle because that's a that's a that's a lot of pressure, right? Then you taking over for who did he take over for? Carson? Uh, I don't. No, Letterman. He took over for Letterman. I, was gonna say, um, I don't watch late night. Yeah, dude. And he was so you could tell humbled by the like just the opportunity and stuff like that. He just looks like a nice person. So I, I fuck Jimmy Fallon, but I don't mean fuck Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> like a nice guy.
0: All right, man, oh, let's get into this. Uh, yeah. Last dance, last two episodes. Ugh. What's up? I mean, listen, the first thing that I noticed on this one, actually on episode nine, man, Reggie Miller. Look, like, listen, I know the last dance is about the Bulls, but let's go ahead and put that on hold for right now because I got to shout out Reggie Miller. This is another guy that growing up in that time frame, I hated this dude because, again, being a Knicks fan, this dude would, he wouldn't, I mean, I don't know if they would, they has, I don't know if they would really get over on the Knicks as much, but he was always the guy at the end that you didn't want to have the ball. Yeah, I remember those moments. But when, you know, when they played, when they they played the Bulls in that, in, in, in those playoffs, and Reggie was just like, almost like, you know, give me the rock. You know, like he, he wasn't
1: scared. Nah, he was fearless, man. And he weighed like 90 pounds. So <laughs> <then what? laughs> he was, but he was dumb skinny. Uh, and he was talking shit. Yep. To,
0: <laughs> and it never ceases to amaze me when I watch those, those clips when he pushes Jordan and like there's no foul call, but then he knocks down the shot, right? Yeah, dude. And never, believe me, never in that series um, did, I, did I think that they were going to win. But, Jordan actually comes out and says, yo, like, those guys, like, it was a personal thing with me.
1: Yo, everything because they were good. Every fucking Jordan. <laughs> Every little thing dude, he goes like, it it's became a, It's personal. a theme. It became personal. It became personal. It became personal. <laughs> like, the pizza man, it became personal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he, and he goes on to say, like, yo, that was the toughest series we had other than uh, I think the Pistons, he said, right? It yeah. was like the toughest, yeah. dude. And Reggie, you're right, man. Reggie was the, remember Chuck, the Spike Lee thing where he's like, yeah, choking again and... and That's,
0: that's right, sh- man. Shout out to Reggie Miller, dude. Yeah. The other, no, another really memorable um, moment for me, Reggie Miller moment was, I think it was like 18 seconds left in the game. They're playing the Knicks. They're down by like six. And this guy rattles off eight points in those last 18 seconds. I, I think if you look it up, it's like eight points in like nine seconds. That's kinda of like the official. Yeah, I, I something wanna say ridiculous. it was like it was like eighteen seconds left in the game and he ends up pulling it out. And I remember sitting there watching that going, What
1: is happening right now? Dude, and to think in that era how physical it was. And Reggie was a bean, man. Like and he held his weight, man. The shove on Jordan and he even says that I like how he says I gave him a little, little love, love and, tap. And he goes, I'm gonna put all the pressure on the official to call it, which is ballsy because if it gets called, game over. Game over. Yeah, it's offensive foul, right? But going the other way, game over, right? So, the, and even um, you know, it was fucking crazy, and this just speaks to the the shot that Jordan took that he missed. Just talks to how fucking amazing he was. Well, he double clutches. Oh. And it and rattles it... in and out, and everyone in the stadium is like, "Oh fuck!" Like as soon as he's like, and even Reggie's kind like, of oh, like, let him get on. It's going it off. in. It's going in." And and to like and I forgot about that, man. I like just completely forgot that he missed that shot by that much. And you're going, wow. And then Phil makes a good point. He's like, yo, man, like they played, I think this was about the Pacers, where he goes, they played the best basketball that they were gonna play, and they were at home and they still barely beat us. Which is telling, right? You go like, Yeah, yeah, you're at home, you get the benefit of the crowd, every call, and then you still barely when you're probably going into that really confident, going, all right, we we got this.
0: Yeah, and the same thing happened when they played the Jazz. I don't remember if it was '97 or '98, but when you know they, they split the games in Utah, and then they go back to Chicago, and then in Game Three they slaughtered them. <sighs> That's the 54 point yeah. game. It's... <laughs> you know, you know, when they, so when they came out to the to the uh, the press conference afterwards, Jerry Sloan, you know, the coach of the, <laughs> culture, the
1: <laughs> Jazz, goes what that was the final score (laughs) like you should at halftime like are you sure that dude that was a massacre and i had to tell them like dude when we turn it on like no one in the league is gonna mess with us and the jazz who i think had the most wins in the league that year were slaughtering people and they're like yeah look when they want to turn it on they're clobbering everybody man it wasn't and i think so you know we're talking last week about the um about you know jordan i think solidified himself as the goat I, as much as i think there are this thing helped make some arguments in, in lebron's favor i don't think you you put lebron as the goat i think lebron's probably two now um but one because one of the things now that i go that you have to take into consideration is how many guys did jordan keep from the record books in his era like a lot a lot man like you like you see and your whole, point reggie hall of famers Hall of Famers, yeah, like first ballot, yeah. Hall of Famers. You figure he kept, you know, if, if there's a top 20 list in the NBA, 15 of them played in the Jordan era, and he kept Stockton, he kept Malone, he kept Reggie Miller, like Patrick Ewing. Barkley, Patrick Ewing, and the only reason Elijuan got one was because Jordan walked away for a couple years, but you go, these are guys, like when they showed John Stockton, I'm like, oh, man, I forgot about John Stockton, and he was good. The guy was balling out, and even Karl Malone was, was good, and you go... Wow, man, those guys place in the history books get completely washed because Jordan wouldn't let them get in there. Yeah. Like yeah, and then when you look at this era, you're going to go LeBron again, in different eras different everything, but you go you you got to give it to Jordan because you go LeBron's era is going to talk about Curry, they're going to talk about Durant, they're going to talk about Tim Duncan probably like right? in there, right? To yeah. Kobe, they're going to you know, there's a lot of guys where you go they got theirs, right? You, you there's a lot of teams that got theirs during that LeBron era no one got theirs once jordan hit his seventh year once he got into his prime like okay no one was in wrap. that and they pretty much whenever they wanted to turn it on they could slaughter anyone they ever wanted like it was just that 50 point performance i went oh wow they actually showed up and just went oh we're gonna play defense and we're just gonna shut these guys like, we'll show you and then i think they just kind of turn it off like it's almost i don't want to say boredom but it's almost a, like eh. like i actually so this week watching that i thought to last week and i went I feel like they let Seattle win two games because you feel like they got bored. Yeah, like no, I think legitimately just said we're gonna let them win, and I know that shit <laughs> sounds crazy. Hear me out. I go, Jordan. I think he wanted to win on Father's Day. I think. I think that you think meant like that subconsciously, or, yeah, or you think like outright. He goes. I think nah, he goes. I'm want, not gonna play I'm as planning. hard these games, right? If we win, we win. I think he goes, man. I don't play as hard in these games. And then Sunday, we can take it back and close it out. And he goes, oh, I'll do it there. I think he was that confident in his skill set, man. Like, I think there's nothing there. Like I think it also, like, when you look at the, when he goes like, I have no problem with Gary. He could have talked shit about Gary Payton. Like, remember he laughs at the thing. I think in his mind, he's going, that's cute, man. I let you win. Like, like just watching that, I'm going, yeah, there was, I was expecting him to say some asshole comment about Gary Payton. Because Gary goes, oh, I would have shut Jordan down. You know, Gary goes in. It, rightfully so. You're at that level. You should talk shit. You should well, feel super and, calm.
0: And to his, to his credit, right, he actually did shut him, kind of yeah. shut him down for those yeah. two games. For those right? two games. Blame. But
1: I think Jordan let that happen. Oh, I think man. Jordan let him shut him that, down. I don't know, man. Does, I could be that crazy. That would be,
0: that so would be, be a happen. crazy revelation. Almost as crazy as that damn flu game, right? Dude, I've thought my entire life since then. That, that guy had a flu. Yeah. And it turns out it was uh, food poisoning. Now, I'm sure the vast majority of us have had the flu at, at one point or another, right? So that in itself, right, when you think about somebody playing a sport or any sport when you have the flu, right, is, is incredible. Um, food poisoning. I don't know if you've ever had it. I've, I've had food poisoning. Right? You've had it as yeah. well? The, <laughs> my wife and I had it together one time. Luckily, we didn't have any kids. Um, and we were, like, shut down the whole day. Things coming out of both sides. You're in bed all day. Right? Yeah, you're in bed. I bed, mean,
1: toilet, bed, toilet, yeah, bed,
0: toilet. So much so that I, some, at one point, she was a little worse than I was. So I drive us to the hospital. <laughs> and I sit in the waiting area because she's dehydrated. They put her on IV. Right? This dude played in a finals game and did well scored almost 40 or did he get over 40 with, <laughs> with the I don't even it doesn't even matter bro he was still you know he was still the 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 mvp of that 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 series even that game it, it it's it's incredible it just it just speaks so much about about that guy just as a as a human being and and what you can make yourself do with your mind yep right because that was also one of the things of in, in these two episodes was like being in the moment right and they said like no one did it better than him and we talk about that just from you know like and they mentioned things like, like yoga and meditation and, right? and all these things that kind of help to, to center you um, and to help you to be in the moment and there was a gentleman on there I forget what his name was or what his role was but he was like there's nobody that was better than being in the moment, than Jordan.
1: Yeah, he yeah, right. He didn't let anything get, like, into his head about, it's like, he's like, I'm, I'm living in the now. Like, yeah. I'm just, this is where we're at. He didn't, dude, for being that, for having that kind of pressure, I, and you can see it, obviously, with some of the stuff, I think, since then, where it got to him, right, where you see the how emotional he gets about people liking him and all that, but I think to be, have that kind of pressure and perform like that man I don't know that most people will ever understand what that's like man to be at to, to be looked at as that even his teammates man they're like nobody likes him right but they go he guy's taking us to the promised land so we're just gonna put up with him like he was bullied and today today like he'd never get away with any of that I was shit, right? just gonna ask you that oh my god right? no so no. we
0: have to go through we have to go we have to go into that Yeah. what like does does that persona you know Thrive in the NBA today, or do you have guys like Kevin Durant and you know shout out to Kevin Durant no offense, but like the guys who some of the guys that are sort of deemed as like maybe like crybabies or whatever um
1: you know does he go nah don't want to play with that guy? I think so man I think in today's game, right I think guys will say nah I'm not playing with this guy he's an I think so I'm trying to think of a player man um Chris Paul. Chris Paul, man, is a... And people go, he's an asshole, right? And you think about it. LeBron's never played with Chris Paul. Yeah, He's had opportunities, he's had opportunities to, yep. to play with Chris Paul. He's never done it, right? Um, Wade had chances to play with Chris Paul. A couple... I think, you know, Chris Paul is an asshole, right? But then he doesn't have the accolades, so you don't let him get away with it. Where you go... And I think that's also the reason why LeBron didn't get to where he needed to get to. He's not an asshole. Like, you go, LeBron... You look at the JR. Remember the JR shit where LeBron's looking at him like, what the fuck are you doing, right? Yeah. That doesn't happen in Jordan, right? Because, you know, at practice, it's not fun. Those guys look <laughs> worn the fuck out even talking about it, right? When they go like, what was it? You know, there's, you're part of the greatest team uh, ever assembled ever in assembled. sports, arguably, right? Like, the there's only probably three teams in that conversation, right? The, the Patriots under Belichick and Brady. Um you know, maybe the, the fucking Bill Russell, but I'm not even counting that. You know, when he wins 11 titles, I don't know, man. It, it, there was yeah, a, it's a mean, different era, different time. You know, when everybody was like 5'5"? Five, five. Yeah, exactly. It's like giving Babe Ruth credit. I'm not giving Babe Ruth credit for shit, bro. Black people and Latinos didn't play, and you broke... <laughs> fuck you. I'm not... Fuck you, Babe Ruth. I'm not giving you credit for shit, right? So, like, when, when you have, you know minorities playing and you have guys like Babe Ruth was like six feet tall. He's like my height and he's towering over everyone if you ever look at those team photos. Like, no, that's not it's 1920s. Everybody's malnourished. The, like I I think to me, you you just can't, I don't fuck, I forgot what point I was going to make about this shit. It's
0: it's right after the Spanish flu. Yeah.
1: (laughs) 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 And guys are clearly still recovering from that shit from the photos you see of the Yankees from those there. Like, it's just you, I think those guys look they don't even look happy to be there. Like they're talking about that team and there isn't a like, oh man, like, you know, we're we're probably great teams all time. It's like, that was a fucking draining time. Like even Kerr, Kerr was the most enthusiastic, I think, telling his stories. Um, And I think because Kerr probably has seen what it's like. And I'd be really curious to see if Kerr ever writes a book um, because you figure Kerr did it with that Bulls team. He did it with the Spurs and then he did it with Golden State, right? So he's been part of three, three, uh, I guess, dynasties. Each one that did it in a different way. And, Absolutely. And the Warriors are like today, you know, the the San Antonio was rigid, right? The very rigid, but you didn't have an asshole in San Antonio. I can't imagine Tim Duncan Or it, or David Robinson. No, no. David in fact David Robinson was the total opposite. He was he didn't even like having Dennis Rodman there because, you know, because of the way Dennis was and 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 uh David Robinson I think couldn't get past the the hair and everything else. Where Jordan was like, "I don't give a shit what you do, man. You show up here, you give me twenty rebounds." Which, but which, like, bro, wrestling. And then you show up and drop. I forgot about. It. You know, it's funny when they showed in there. I went. I remember I that. Remember that. Yes. And I remember watching, going, "Don't that? Doesn't that guy have a game like tomorrow night?" You know, like going, like, and I'm like, and I saw him the night before. You know what? Like, I remember watching that, thinking like, and I didn't know all the shit about it, right? Because I think I was you know, maybe 11, 12 years old when it happened, but. I remember watching just going, oh shit, I just saw that guy in the game last night and he's there. You know, like it, it didn't really register. But then when you saw, like, hey man, Dennis was AWOL, he didn't show up to practice, he didn't do that. And then Phil, again, man, Phil doesn't suspend him, nope. doesn't not let him play. Because I think uh, to Phil's credit, again, man, is he understood that that's what that guy needs. So I'm going to let him do that. If that I mean, I'm going to be pissed off about it. But at the end of the day, if he gets here and he shows up, and he puts out the and numbers.
0: And he's here. battling. They, they have him on the 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 other team's
1: star. Yep. He's, he's guarding Carmelo. Malone. Yep. And he's grabbing, like he's schooling Malone. And Ostertag, which I forgot was on that team, a big guy. And you go, he's like just crushing these guys on the boards. Yeah. And you're going, and he was partying last night <laughs> and wrestling and doing. And you're going, what do I tell that guy? Hey, I don't like how it looks when you go party. Like, what? I, yeah, man, I don't. I Again, man, I go back to Phil when I think, wow, uh, you talk about setting a precedent as just a leader where you go, I don't care what you do outside of these walls, show up. Show up. Like This is basketball, right? It wasn't like this rigid mentality. Even Chuck Daly, I think, uh, makes a really great comment about Rodney when one of the coaches is complaining about him where he says, um, you don't put a saddle on a Bronco or something like oh, that, yes. on a stallion or something. Family, but he yeah, makes yeah. some some comment like that and you go, yeah. That's exactly what he is. You just gotta let him be, and you put up with the antics, man. And the antics were never, um, you know, he's breaking the law that we know of or doing anything else. You know, it's like uh, he's gotta go party and have a drink, like fine. You know, I think that. But damn.
0: yeah, no, no, absolutely, man. You just
1: let you let him go. Um,
0: when that when the when the piece came up about the wrestling, it was even funny because I was watching it with with my wife, and she's like, "I remember that." <laughs> Do every man. right right? And, and I'm thinking. We watching wrestling back then. I guess we were.
1: Yeah, everybody, man. WCW Monday Night Nitro. Yeah. Remember? I remember those, man. I loved that whole thing, man. Just to see that was crazy, man. But again, Jordan, I think even he recognizing like, Robin, go do what you got to do. Just give me what you got when you get here. And I think, you know, and I, I don't want to downplay Pippin, but remember that game six where Pippen played hurt. The back and he, yeah, the back. Which it's you know, you backs are again. debilitating, right? Yes, debilitating. Absolutely. I still think, and Jordan won't say it out loud, but I still think there's a part of him that's like this fucking guy. is hurt again, you know. Like remember the migraine and the thing. And and again, I don't think he would say Scotty's soft because I think it just showed. I, I will give him credit for trying to play through that, um, but uh, you go, dude's not available, man. And Dennis is available Dennis could have done a line and 16 shots of tequila and Dennis is grabbing 20 boards (laughs) and I think there's something to be said for that like the availability where Jordan I think looked at Pippen and it's like dude when you're healthy and you're on the floor you know again probably you know top 10 greatest player of all time but fuck man like I wouldn't go as far as to call him soft because again it takes backs or bad
0: definitely not definitely not but you know like when you Jordan never really sustained any major injuries. How? I have no idea. Right? Like, I don't know what his, what his training regimen was. was. Maybe it was sick, right? I mean, it, like, like when he talked about, and this wasn't even these last two episodes, but when they did the, the movie.
1: Oh, the Space Jam. The
0: Space Jam. And, and when they had, he basically said, I, I, need, I need a basketball court. I need weight room. And, and, and the guys who were part of, the NBA guys that were coming in there to play with him talked about, like, yo, he got up really early to do the set and then he worked out and then he played basketball and then he, you know, played golf or went out or whatever and it's like, we don't even know when he slept.
1: Yeah, when did he sleep? Which, so I thought that was weird because I go, he had a fucking YMCA built right, for him to work out in and play ball and, you know, he even goes, oh, I didn't have my, my body ready for basketball. I had this thing and then Tim Grover who was considered by many to be, you know, probably the best Uh, I I don't even know what what, what his title would be for those scenes but trainer because I think even Kobe worked with with Tim Grover down the line Uh, his book is on my list of reads I think I'm going to read that next I've heard great things about his book but um, for someone to be that focused with his body I found it really weird that it never talks about the drinking and the smoking you know, like, yeah, how so you're doing all that. He, you're does waking up, all you're, like, he does it all the time. I'm like, again, this episode, I couldn't get past the fact, like, dude, there's a cigar always in your mouth. Like, how? And it, it's, you go, he's talking about being tired and all this shit. I'm like, maybe get some sleep. Don't smoke tonight. I'm like, maybe, you know, like, and he's talking a lot, like, oh, yeah, I'm exhausted. And he's smoking a cigar.
0: I'm but like, you know what, dude, like, and the one thing that they never really addressed and that I, I remembered from, you know, from, from LeBron going to all of those, um, championships in a row. When you play an eighty-two game season, and then you play X amount of games in the playoffs and the and the championship, and then you do that three years in a row, it's like, dude, you're playing almost. And I know it's not a whole another season, but it's damn close.
1: Yeah, yeah. And,
0: and so and so the the you know the 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 toll it takes on your body is just gotta be insane. And, and and how do you keep you know like and a lot of guys you see that right they like get these guys um, in, in most in most sports they win championships and then it's hard to repeat because you've reached the peak now what now what can you stay there
1: it's hard to be hungry man I think that's
0: it that's, it's it's that hunger and that's the thing with Jordan is like you never question the guy's hunger and his passion for this craft man like it was like I said, phenomenal. And I talked about this last time where, where I got my kids watching it with me. And, um, and I asked them today, actually, when we, were, um, act, when we were done watching it. And I'm like, what did you take from this? And my one son goes, it takes an insanely amount of work to be
1: great. Yep. And, and f- friends and relationships and whatever else, you know, like... I don't think he got that, that, that you sort of suck that those things suffer.
0: But the fact that he was able to say he's 13, right? So the fact that he was able to take that away and go, man, to be that is it's like an ungodly amount of work.
1: It is. It's not as easy, right, as um, I think people would think. And um, yeah, man, I I looked at that and I wonder if he has regrets, you know, much like does he look back and go, man, I would have given up a ring to have what maybe this relationship not severed, or I don't know, maybe more of a personal life. But I think now he's got. It, it's one of the directors. Um, I think I saw on ESPN last night where the director of it, which shout out to that guy. I can't I gotta look up his name? But greatest documentary I think a sports documentary ever made. It's fitting for a guy who's arguably the greatest basketball player ever. I thought this thing was crafted so well. The storytelling, like I, I could have watched all ten I think in one sitting. Like Absolutely. I was that sucked into it. Um, but he made a comment about about Jordan. Um, God, I forgot what what's going with this, but he he makes a comment about Jordan. Um, shit, what were we just talking about? About the, you know how we do, man. Damn,
0: we we just keep flying.
1: I forget, by Yeah, you, so. he he was. Man, he made a comment about like, his, his, uh, like, some of the things that he said off air or that didn't make it into the documentary, but whether it was about like, the relationships and stuff and, and like, what had transpired. I'll give, I'll, it'll come back to well, me. Well, you know what? Yeah. In, in, in keeping with that thought, I saw a quote today from um, Diana
0: Tarazi. And, and she says, Michael Jordan gave up, gave up his life for basketball. And when you really think about that, right? It's like how much, you know, to your point, how much did he actually miss? How many relationships, you know, were not made or were not nourished over that time, you know, in sacrifice for the game? Yeah. And it's really was like, that's all he wanted to do. He just wanted to be great at this at basketball and and win championships and really to drive the other people around them towards that goal. And then, like you said, because he did that, he probably didn't have great relationships. Like, remember with, um, so I never knew about Steve Kerr's dad.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? I had
0: heard, I didn't know the whole story, but I heard I'd, that his dad was killed. Never known. That. Yeah. So what a, it's like, you know, really good relationship with his dad, very similar to Jordan. Um, guy goes off to college. His dad goes to Beirut his dad even sort of has a dream and i can't remember but it was something with you know with with teaching and 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 he's trying to get the the folks that are going to the school over there to sort of be like almost like worldly humanitarians and and to be empathetic of of, of, of a worldview versus a United States
1: view. Yeah, I think he wanted to, like, uh, fix the relationship, I think, between uh, that region of the world and America. And, you know, yeah, I think his dream was to kind of see that as, hey, we, we just there's a there's a lack of understanding here. We're not as far apart as you guys think. And I think his dream was to kind of like, I think, unite those two fronts because there's and to this day, there's a big, I think, disconnect between right this part of the world and absolutely. That and I remember, I'm going, sorry. No, uh, go, ahead, go. It was, the director said that Jordan showed up to a lot of the interviews by himself. He didn't have security, he didn't have an entourage, he didn't have, um, so, uh, you know, I was thinking about that and I'm going, could he, he couldn't which, have done that. Which interviews? 25 years. So, you know the ones where they look like they're in his house? So there it's not actually in his house. It's like in his in his neighborhood or not too far from his house, they rented houses to do these interviews in because he wouldn't oh, let them Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know either. So I'm I'm watching this um and I'm pretty sure I think it was on Scott Van Pelt show or something um last night where they were talking about kind of the the series and then they had a director call in and he's talking about and actually there's a great uh uh like a further Uh, About the pizza thing, it gets even further than that. But so he goes, um, yeah, I was shocked at a couple of times or or two. I guess I interviewed him a few times. He said two or three of them. He showed up without an entourage. It was just him. He drove up in his car and pulled up to the house, and we did our thing. And um, you know, and I think you know, we talked about this last episode where I go, I I he couldn't have done that in that in the '90s, right? He was the most famous person on the face of the earth. And we didn't have the internet the way we have it today. We didn't have social media. We didn't have all this stuff. It's, it's just crazy to think that someone's face is that recognizable, right? And I think part of him walking away was always the, I want to sort of live normal. So when he said that, he's going, yeah, he drove himself. He did that. And I go, I think I think Jordan likes that. I think he's got to find a way to scratch that itch competitively. But I think that's that was his ultimate goal, right? And I think the, the whole, it kind of goes back to him being an asshole and putting in all that work and doing all that stuff he's going i left that behind i had to do that back then and now i just want to be a guy and i think as a guy i think he clearly still struggles with scratching that because how do you scratch that at 57 right the that competitive itch when you were that elite you gamble (laughs) yeah i mean you, you you get like i keep going back like what do you what moves you If you're him, I, I, but I think that honestly, man, I think that about a lot of guys, man. I think that about Elon Musk. I think that about Jeff Bezos, like what, what feels risky to you? You know, like what, what moves you, what, what do you get? And you sweat about And you're like, oh, this is, and even Jordan, I go gambling unless he's never gambling enough that his livelihood is on the line. Right. But I think it's still the rush of it a little bit. Yeah. It's, it has to be, it has to be, but, um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the director was also talking about the pizza thing. Because I thought, I'm like, man, Jordan's an asshole. He didn't share the pizza. And uh, (laughs) he goes into, he spit on the pizza when it got there because the guy... Oh, no, I missed that. Yes. So, well, it wasn't on the documentary. He talks about it um, on ESPN. It's great. He goes... uh, Well, yeah, the guys ate earlier that night, and and I don't know what Jordan was doing. I don't know if he was at the gym or whatever, but he goes, uh, Jordan was late, and the guys ate without him. They ordered food, and they ate without Jordan, and I guess they were on the outskirts of Salt Lake City. They weren't even in the city, so it's not like things were open, and he goes, so he tells the guys, like, yo, man, give me pizza. Give me anything, something to eat or whatever, and they make the calls, and when it gets there, he's like, no, man, you guys ate without me. This shit's mine. No one's touching his pizza, and he spits on the pizza. (laughs) Let me tell you, I've been to
0: Utah, probably around that time frame, maybe early two thousands.
1: Uh, like Salt Lake oh, wow. City. Salt Lake City. Okay, yeah. See, I didn't go to. Okay. a few years ago, yeah. And this is way off topic here, right? But <laughs> okay, but I got to tell the story. So,
0: so my wife and I, we're there. Um, my cousin and her husband at the time are doing like a, a, a movie premiere. They actually came out with a, with a movie at Sun, for for Sundance Film Festival. Oh, cool. Right? So we go there. We hang out for like a day or two. And then we're leaving on a Sunday. And I'm like, hey, like, let's just go. You know, we have a couple of hours before the flight. Let's go check out Salt Lake City. Because like, I want to say it was in like, uh, is it is it Park Slope or?
1: Oh, Park City. I think Park City, where, Yeah, that's the right. Yeah, that's it. I think you're right. I think Park City is where.
0: So we go into, it's a Sunday. We go into, into, uh, Salt Lake City and we're driving and I don't know if you ever seen that movie Children of the Corn yep bro <laughs> I, no 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 no. you don't understand we go we drive in there are no cars driving this is a city bro there's no cars on, on the road now again Salt Lake City may have changed between then and, and now I have it no didn't. idea um, but you ever no, heard anybody say oh I really like to hit Salt Lake <laughs> not unless they're going skiing yep but so we go and we're driving around there right and it's there's no cars right and and i'm going yo like maybe like what's going on like where's all the people and then finally i see like one car so we're still driving around i see this like mall and there's a couple of cars parked there so we park we go in the mall and there's open stores but like there's maybe like five people in the mall and I ask, I finally ask, like, you're like what's this going on. It's a
1: weekend you're saying, right? This is a Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. And I and, and so I, I find somebody and I'm like, What's going on? And they go, Oh, everyone's at the tabernacle or whatever they, you know, whatever their whatever their church is called. Um, but before getting to actually see somebody, like I was almost scared. Like almost like, <laughs> yo, let me this is like some movie shit. Right? This is like some children of the corn. Somebody's coming out the coming out the, the, the woodwork with a pitchfork or something. <laughs> like we're about to leave. I think we walked around the mall for maybe like ten to fifteen minutes and then just realized let's just go to
1: the airport. Wow. Yeah, I'm trying to think when I think of Salt Lake City, I think of um the hills have eyes. Like I <laughs> like, a, like I've been to Salt Lake I think then- twice. And it was on a layover, thank goodness. Um, and even from that, from flying into it, beautiful scenery, you know, the landscape or whatever, when you're flying in. That airport's oh, yeah. awkward because you're going into a, over a mountain and then you drop in. It's really crazy. Like the... If you're like afraid of flying, it's the last airport you want to fly into. Um, which I'm not afraid of flying, but I could see people in there just gripping, you know, like clinching, just ooh, because you drop suddenly when you go over. If you've never flown to Salt Lake, you have got to do it. It looks beautiful flying in, but what what do you do in Salt Lake City? I, ski and then ski. That's it, right? Like I, I think so. i go see the jazz. Yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. Well, uh, Zion Mitchell might have changed it was that. Ninety-eight yeah I don't
0: but they, dude let me go back <laughs> let me go back to um so Steve Kerr, right so he has his father, his father goes over to to Beirut um he's like the president of the school or whatever he gets two shots in the head, right so him and Jordan really came up similarly, you know, like whole families really close to their dads, and he says like they still like they never talked about that. Like, how do you not? Like, how do would, you? Would you, though? Know? Dude, if if you were, if, listen, a, a basketball team, this is not like a football team, bro. This is not like 50-something guys. You're talking about a, in, a, a fairly intimate setting. Yeah. You guys are practicing day in and day out. How many of them? What, what is there, 20? Maybe?
1: Maybe. I mean, it, players is probably like 12 or 13. That's what I'm and saying. You go. So yeah. you're talking about
0: that, right? And 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 I and I know that every time like, you know, when when they showed sort of uh like I think it was like Jordan's trainer was like one of his good friends and yeah. then there was another guy who was like one of his good friends. <laughs> his best friend is also his assistant? That, yeah. Like that it guy? was yeah, that yeah. that one. So so you have so so you're on a team with arguably the greatest basketball player ever. You guys have at least in some respect, similar stories, like you don't talk about, dude, like,
1: that shit still hurts, like, how did you deal with that? I don't don't think Jordan would, man. I think Kerr would've. I think Kerr would've jumped at the opportunity, right? I think Kerr strikes me as someone who would've probably had that conversation. I think Jordan was so worried about not looking weak that that to him would have been too far you i look think, you think I,
0: even to his teammates
1: yeah i i do i think uh, how many teammates have you seen him that, that he's friends with now none like i look at jordan the same way i would look at like a ceo i'm trying to think of someone like bob Iger who runs you know whatever disney, disney or yeah. like i look i think everyone looks at him and goes oh snap that's jordan like you don't share you're, you know, like any of us, how we look at our boss, like I'm not telling him about my personal issues unless it has something to do with the job, I think. And I think Jordan is that way, too. I think Jordan puts up that wall and goes, no, I'm this killer, which makes, to me, the food poisoning game now more impressive because he, you see when he holds on to Scottie during that timeout and he's, and I'm going, he's, he's showing a moment on. of weakness. He's yeah. leaning. Right. He's clearly beat up right and you go oh there's zero chance he's faking that like because I think if Jordan could have gotten away with not holding on to Scotty and making it to the bench he would have done it because I think he's that concerned with looking like he doesn't want to look weak so I think that that even made it, when I when I saw that scene, uh, you know, and, and that's infamous, you see it all the time with him grabbing Scotty, I think I had more of an appreciation this time because I went, he was really hurt. Because Jordan, to me, was so concerned about not looking weak that he would hold on to a teammate like that and, and had to get almost carried off the court. I was like, wow, he was really hurt. And then just turned it back on the minute the, the clock came back on. It just shows, again, you, you were talking before about being able to flip that switch. I don't know if it's adrenaline or what it is, but I, I remember just watching that and just being more impressed this time around. Obviously, hearing that it's food poisoning makes it more impressive. But then I think knowing what you know about Jordan, the way they framed him, and even though I would I will say that I felt like these two episodes they try to humanize him, they they talk more about his relationship, you know, the 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 bodyguard that he had that kind of became like Gus. a father figure. Yeah, gut. Yep. Um. You know, I think they almost it almost felt like they edited those episodes between last week and now, because they're probably going, all right, guys, he looks like an asshole. Let's, uh, (laughs) let's throw (laughs) maybe not. Right. But uh, I felt like these last two were, they try to humanize him a little more and try to make him, you know, like, Oh, he's just like you guys yet. You know, they talk about him crying and calling and, you know, kudos to him because i didn't think he would let them use footage like that i didn't think he'd let them talk about like man this guy called crying at two in the morning talking about how much he misses his dad which you understand but i just can't picture jordan doing it um but i think you know and he, he called he called gus gus right yeah, he called gus. yeah that's right that's yeah
0: that's right
1: and i think the other thing that they talked about was him surrounding himself with those if you looked at all those guys he right or or not shouldn't say elderly but much older than older than
0: him yeah like uh, mentors yeah
1: mentors and i think again smart he didn't surround himself with with hangers on that wanted him for his money or other kids or other peers right he and he says it. he goes i wanted people who had life experience who could kind of guide me and that just shows his brilliance again i mean we talked about his business brilliance last week but i think again this showed he's in this predicament where no one in the world will understand what it's like to be him but then also going he's in a predicament where everything he's experiencing is for the first time and and he can't go to anyone and say hey how do you handle this because no one can answer that but he surrounds himself with a bunch of guys who have maybe some life experience and he can draw a little bit from here and he can draw a little bit from there and and so i you know i thought again that spoke to not just the maturity level, but I think how brilliant he was uh, as a person. He thought things through. I think that was by design for sure. You know, Yeah, he- and I
0: think that with, and then and, and one of those mentors, right, he really clings to, which is, the, which is Gus, mm-hmm. as the father figure. So it's like, not, not, you know, no one can ever replace your dad, but this guy is almost like his second father. Right, he's the guy he looks to for sort of maybe maybe more uh, emotional support, and then and then the other guys around in his entourage, like you said, he kind of pulls from because they're older and they have life experience. Yeah. So with that, and I gotta ask you this man because they talk about oh actually I, the last year right? So when this whole thing first starts and it's the end of the uh, or it's the beginning of the the 98 season. When Jerry Krause goes, this is it. Phil's out of here. Love to have Jordan back, right? Like, is he a genius, or like is is he? Does that? Does the fact that he announces that in the beginning, does that drive the team to excellence, or does it? Does it? You know, or or were they going to do it anyway?
1: I don't. That's a great question, man, because I so when I look at it, right, being petty, um, I look at that and I go, I'm going to find a way to stick it to you. And maybe their way of sticking it to you was we're going to win a title and then we're going to walk off into the sunset. Right. Or I think you mail it in and maybe you're so competitive that it just your ego doesn't let you mail it in. Right. And maybe what you do is you go that route and you just go, we're going to show this guy that we're the greatest team ever assembled. And we're going to go ahead and win this title. And then he's going to break us up and he's going to look like an asshole. And I saw the owner, Rindo tried to, um, to to keep, supposedly keep Phil and then keep Michael, but it almost sounded like he was trying to keep Michael and saying, Hey, let's rebuild around Michael and get rid of the other guys. Um, I, when I look back on that era, I'm obviously disappointed that I didn't get to see Michael, I think, ride it through. Um, I, you know, like I go back and forth because I wanna, I wanna say, you want to go out on top, and he makes that 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 comment when he was when he's with um, Ahmad Rashad in the uh, in the rover. They're driving to a game or something. He goes, "I want to retire two years too soon." And I wonder if uh, you saw those those series started to get more competitive. Like the 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 Pacer series, right, was a little more competitive. I I don't think Utah was that much of a threat. I think, but I I wonder if he looked at that and went. Man, we could have gotten pushed out here in the Eastern Conference Finals potentially by by Indy. They're going to get it together, right? Cuz I think Indy was in that Eastern Conference Finals the next year against the Knicks. I'm pretty sure they were. And the Knicks, I think that's when uh, San Antonio beat the Knicks in the Finals. I I think it was that next 98 99. Yeah, yeah. pretty sure it was around there, but that or 99 2000. But anyway, like um you know, I go back to okay, you don't want to see him deteriorate. So, you know, they walked out on top and he just walks off into the sunset. The other part of me, you know, Jordan makes a comment about, no, you got to beat, you got to beat the champ, right? It's the, the boxing thing, right? We always say it all the time. Like, no, you got to, you got to knock the champ out. And, and I would have loved to see that team get beat by somebody. I, th- I think, right. I, I think I would have liked to see them get beat because I think it, it it removes the doubt of would he have won the seventh, right? Like he thinks so now. And of course you're going to say that, but you go knowing how close that indie series was. And then that indie team was there again, and now you got another year of of the beatdown on your body. Who knows what version of Scotty you get? I don't think Scotty was leading the league in anything after that. Like Scotty was, Scotty pretty much was downhill after yeah, that. Yeah, like I don't. I mean,
0: I remember him being good in Portland, but there's nothing memorable about that time.
1: That that yeah, that you really... know he's gonna win a title, right? Like yeah, so yeah, I don't. Cause Krauss, I think he rolled the dice much like he did most of his career. He rolled the dice on every decision. They all just happened to work up until you rolled the dice on this one. It didn't work. The Bulls been rebuilding ever since, right? Um, the Bulls haven't gotten back to to, to, that, any, anything, to anything. Really, right? the closest thing they had was those Derrick Rose teams. Rose yep. Which, uh, God, can you, you remember how stupid people were talking about taking Derrick Rose over LeBron during that run? Jeez, a six foot one guard who plays. Like pedal to the metal the entire time, and no one thought, oh, this guy's probably gonna break down at some point in time, or he's six one, he can't carry. Like Iverson taught us nothing. I remember Iverson. Iverson is amazing, right? But you go, you can't be six one and carry a team to a title. He tried, and he played against. Them, and he unfortunately he ran into those Laker teams that were you know all time as well. But the Derrick Rose thing, I remember blowing my mind at the time, going, you guys think Derrick Rose is is better than LeBron James? Like he's gonna carry a team?
0: I mean, he he was a sick talent right i mean he really was so going back to that last year right and we know jordan was getting the the like the big contract right where he's getting something like 25 to 30 mil something around there i was thinking about it as i'm watching it and i'm going this guy was underpaid mike yes absolutely think about just thinking about what because, because what they, what they go into, and and David Stern says it best, right? When he goes, prior to this era, we're in, um, what, what is it, is it, sixty to seventy countries, and then afterwards, they're in like two hundred and fifteen, and don't quote me on that, but two hundred and fifteen countries. Yeah, well, something crazy. Yeah, yeah something like right, that. You're right? Close. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the impact that he had on the game. And the impact that he had just on the NBA in itself and how the NBA was able to expand because of that era is like, and then you paid him 30 mil. Yeah, that was great money at the
1: time for a one-year deal. But how much was that guy worth to the NBA? Oh, to TV contracts and to the owner of the Everything, Bulls bro. as a franchise, right? Like how much were the Bulls worth? No, at, I'm at talking, time?
0: I'm talking, I mean, obviously the Bulls are the ones paying them and they're the ones taking the, the, the salary hit. And I and I get that. But from an NBA standpoint, like how much does the NBA owe to that guy? Oh. And, and, and this is always, you know, money's always a funny thing, man, because people are funny about money, right? They look at athletes and they say, oh, they make millions of dollars. They play a game, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. I get it. You yep, Should have learned to play basketball. But when you can look at them and say, it's not really about them playing a sport, is that they're actually they're actually doing something that's generating revenue. Right? So let's just put it yeah. put it at
1: that. Yeah, way. we buy tickets and we tune in. Right.
0: You yep. buy tickets, you buy merchandise, buy merch. you tune in. Right? It's 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 the whole it's the whole package. Back in and it just brings me back to back in like nine I wanna say it was around this, around ninety eight. Um, maybe, no, I want to say maybe 2000, it was when Shaq got that big contract when he went to the Lakers. Oh, yep. Actually, the Magic gave
1: him the contract, and then he got traded to the Lakers.
0: No, Remember? I think he turned it was the sign down. And trade. He, he
1: turned, was it a sign and trade? I think it was a sign and trade. Oh, gave, I think you're right, because, because the Magic could give him the max. Yep, yep, you're right. And, but he asked to be traded. He asked to be traded. So, yep, yep, yep. So, sign and trade. I think you're right, yeah, yeah. And so, I
0: was in an economics class, and you know this gentleman, so shout out to Jack Chamberlain. Mm. Valencia Community College. Oh, yeah, College. Valencia
1: Community College. Actually, it's Valencia, <laughs> Actually, College, Valencia College now. Actually, College now. Yeah. That's right.
0: Um, but this guy, and it was so great. So he comes into the class, and he goes,
1: Shaquille O'Neal's underpaid.
0: Right? And the class erupts.
1: Of course. Right? But again, it goes to the, to the financial envy and the stuff we talked about last week, where people are just, yeah.
0: The class erupts, and he puts... Basically, he just puts together a quick argument of how, of why Shaquille O'Neal with this max contract that at the, at the time is unprecedented, unheard of, right? No one's making more to him at that time. Like he was the dude.
1: No, no, he got a fat He I got a crazy, yeah, it, yeah, it, it was a crazy, crazy contract. But also, it came at the heels of this Jordan team, right? It came it was after, yeah, it, it was, it, I, mean, I want
0: to say it was like 2000.
1: Maybe maybe even all no, one. I think it was ninety eight ish, man. No, I'll tell, I'll tell you
0: why it's not ninety eight because I came out of the Marine Corps ninety eight and I didn't start college until like two years
1: later. So it, was, it had to be at least two thousand. Because I felt like maybe Shaq the contract, left Orlando. Yeah, maybe the contract was before, contract but was he before talked that. about it then. Because Shaq left Orlando in the nineties for sure. That's fair. That's fair. It, it could
0: definitely it could definitely happen in the late nineties
1: because it was that ninety seven ninety eight team. They beat them. No, no, maybe ninety six, ninety seven. So I think Shaq left ninety seven, ninety-eight. He had uh I wanna say Zell Harris as the coach in LA for like two years before Phil. Oh before Phil. Before, and Phil takes the year off and then goes. And then goes. Yeah. Ninety nine, right. two thousand, I think Phil goes to LA. And Shaq and Kobe are already together. Not yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. go Are.
0: No, no, no. But but that, like going back to Jordan and his his worth, forget about to the Bulls, to the NBA, is like it's crazy. The impact that he has to the NBA, the
1: impact, the the global impact, like how much was that guy actually worth? For sure, for sure. No, I agree. I think he changed a, a league, a company, the economics of it. I think we we talked a little last week about even from a player standpoint. Um, I think that team changed. The the control players had right because they didn't have any, and then I think now players have all the control. um But I think the economics of it, the yeah, the they def Jordan definitely I think set that and it took off because the NBA wasn't the NBA that it is today when Jordan got in. The, the endorsements weren't there; like everyone had a sneaker deal with Converse or whatever it was, but it wasn't like high end dollars. They were making like a million or two per year, and and you know I'm gonna say oni, but. Again, based relative to the money that they're worth to the league, that was nothing. Right, right. Like as a percentage, I think I do remember taking that. That I also took a, a class with Jack Chambers at, at Valencia, and I remember him using like a percentage of a whatever an average worker was. Let's say it was a construction worker, but I remember him taking and saying, "Hey, they represent X percent of the expense of whatever it was." And he did that for Shack, or, or or I think I, actually when I took it, he did it for Alex Rodriguez. Oh, and that was a big one at the and time. that was a big one at the time and this was like mid2000s and he um he said uh yeah Alex Rodriguez was underpaid right and then people were like are you nuts and but then he showed like what you know obviously from a revenue perspective and then think uh when he talked about what Alex is worth to the Yankees in terms of revenue uh and then he basically showed like hey as a percentage of revenue Alex is underpaid and and again people are going to say you're crazy. They make all this money, you know, but uh, if your employer is making X and you get, you know, you know, let's say I don't know, Alex got a 300 million dollar deal, but if that deal to the Yankees was worth 5 to 8 billion dollars, probably more, you go cuz for whatever reason baseball contracts are billions, like the TV rights are like billions. Who the fuck watches baseball? In 2020 is beyond me. Like, honestly, even during this thing, when they talked about watching or playing games without fans, who the fuck would notice in Tampa that there's no fans in the stadium if they had to play without fans? No it's, one. It's normal. It's normal. No one would know. They'd be like, oh, guys, fans aren't allowed here. They'd be like, oh, shit, we thought it was just a typical Friday night in Tampa. Like, <laughs> dude, so. One of the things I really wanted to get into, man, was the um, so the infamous game six, right? The the last game of, of MJ in a Bulls uniform, um, that 40 something seconds of just uh, Leonardo DiCaprio had the best description of it, yeah. which was poetic. And you almost go, you have to end your career on that because it was, it was beautiful to watch. And I, and watching it just gave me like all kinds of emotions because I remember watching it as a kid, just like it just again it i think sports has a way of bringing out um emotions in people i think that's you know part of this lockdown too has been like the lack of sports it's one of the things that unites people no matter what where you're from or what you think i think if you root for the same team there's something about sports right um so I, you know i got real emotional kind of watching it. and listen full disclosure i teared up a few times watching these 10 episodes man like just just not even on a sad thing just just feeling the how There's something, I think, to me about seeing people succeed at a certain level and seeing people get emotional about stuff that kind of moves me. But um, I think Jordan's physical greatness is something that's always looked at his the the mindset, the his basketball IQ to me was something that I didn't appreciate until I rewatched that Game Six and that segment, and then even I went back a year. I, I, okay, so let me talk let me um I guess bring context to what I'm talking about. the The year before, they're playing the Utah Jazz in the finals, and he talks about Brian Russell playing uh, defense on his toes. Yep. And he goes, "I know if I give him the shake, his momentum takes him that way." which makes sense and you go and he goes and I know he can't stop because it's physically impossible right so he goes so I know he plays on his toes so I give him a little shake Brian Russell bites and he hits a shot wins that game and this was in the finals the year before fast forward to the game six and so he goes up he hits that layup right blows past Brian Russell hits that layup off the top of the glass uh, brings it to within one and then that's when the next sequence he gets the steal off of Karl Malone when he comes back up, which, you know, I love that Bob Costas goes, listen, there wasn't a shove. It's it's the equivalent of a major D taking you to your seat, which I thought, thank you. You know, Bob Costas was there. can see it. Someone who I respect, I think, who's seen it all, right? He's seen thousands of games. has called them. Um, but I think what you saw there was Jordan, uh, again, knowing Brian Russell plays on his toes. Um, the last series, I blew past him and and I got to the rim pretty easily, right? The shot was difficult cuz he had to hit it a little higher cuz there was guys meeting him at the rim who helped out Russell. But I think all that and even when he when he's narrating it, he's going, "Yeah, I'm, I'm dribbling up. I'm thinking about um thinking about do, do I go to the rim? Do I take a shot? Do I do this?" And then he takes the two steps when he he just goes and Brian Russell commits. He plays defense on his toes and he goes Oh, shit, Jordan, last series. And as a player, if you don't think that these guys are thinking that, they're absolutely thinking that, right? And if you don't think Jordan goes, I set this up last play because I blew past him. So now I'm going to go and I'm going to blow two steps and then immediately crosses over. And Brian Russell's momentum is already taking him in that direction. And he can't stop. Regardless of where that hand was and Jordan gives him kind of a little nudge, I think it's more of a, hey, you're passing by me, right? Um, And then pulls up and hits, to me, the most memorable shot in the history of sports and anything was that shot. Just him holding it. You see the look on everybody's face, right? And, and and all these people in Utah who have nothing else to look forward to, right? And they're looking at Jordan. He's holding up a shot. And before the ball even goes in, you can just see the despair on these people's face, right? Um, and I just kept thinking, like, man, his basketball IQ is something that um, wasn't talked about, I think, enough in this documentary. Because, again, I go, he set it up to move before. He takes off and I think immediately pulls back. And because the play before he took off and got to the rim so easily, Brian Russell has no choice but to commit because you can't let him blow past you again. again. And because he plays defense on his on his toes, or on the ball of his feet, you can't stop. You It's physics, right? So you go, you can't stop. And he commits. And Jordan just, again, just the greatest shot of all time in any sport, just pulls back and then hits that pretty jumper and and just uh, the appreciation that i had for it this time around when they when they put into context the like okay he hits a shot no one else on the ball touched the ball the last like minute or 42 seconds or whatever it was no one else on the bulls. and in fact I, I think it's hilarious that scotty goes i just thought get the fuck out of the way rodman goes zero chance he passes the ball no one is getting this but mj like no one and everyone in the building i think knew like no one and then brian russell who listen okay player, but the fact that Brian Russell still holds the, like, he shoved off me, is whatever. Like, listen, he got you with the same move almost the last year with the same kind of pump and then pulls the shot up. Now, the difference this time was the play before where he drives to the basket. So this time he faked the drive to the basket, pulls back, and Brian Russell takes off and I just I could not I, I love that move. And I remember as a kid watching it and just screaming and I had like a little 13 inch color TV in my room and it's like Sunday night and I'm not supposed to even be up watching this. And I remember just screaming like, oh, my God, like and it just brought me back to that. And I just had such an appreciation for the craft that was like, you're Jordan, you're dribbling up. You're like, what am I going to do? And I think 100%, and I wish they would have talked about it, that he goes, last time up the floor, I blew past him. He's going to think the same. I'm just going to go ahead and take off. And he just floors it and pulls back. And I think I, I think that was planned. I think it was by design. I think he set it up to play before. And just such a brilliant, brilliant move, man, that, uh, again, I think to me, and I'm like, I got to get a picture of that shot and framed and put it up somewhere, probably in the studio here. But, like, it, it just the greatest shot ever taken, I think, in any sport to win anything was that.
0: Um, it was, it was, and, and it was a phenomenal, phenomenal move, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm watching these episodes with a different appreciation because back then, I got I gotta say, man, I was a Jordan hater, right? <laughs> from being, from being a Knicks fan. Like every other Knicks fan. To being, yeah, to being, uh, I mean, I was a Magic fan for a while after I moved down here, right? And, um, you know and 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 just seeing him really like deprive all of the greats of championships, right, and of course, that happened two of them happened to be my team during that during that era, so every time he made it back, I'm rooting for the underdog every time, and even though <laughs> and you know what's funny, so they still went in there as favorites, even though the jazz that year were better than they the year everyone. before. They, they slaughtered everyone, and I, I want to say they beat the Bulls during the year.
1: Yeah, I think they said they were two and zero oh again. Like they hadn't beat Utah, or right. Whatever it was well, they, was, what they, they were the twice. only ones that yeah. had
0: not that they hadn't beat. They hadn't yep, beat yep, you're right. Yeah. Um, so so here I am. You know, and and when he makes that shot, I'm like, damn, again. Yeah. You know, but 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 going back, but but looking at it now, is, you know, it's a it's a new. It's a new appreciation. I mean, and, 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 you know, I can, after the guy retired and everything, and I can always look back and go, damn, I hated him, man, but he was great. And then now watching this special, it's like, man, you know, I wish I would have just kind of had that same mindset of just like, hey, I'm watching somebody great now, and just enjoy the fact that you're watching somebody great, which is what I do now, right? Like, I, yes, I'm, I'm still a Magic fan, right? But I'm not a fanatic I, I, but I love to watch great players because I don't want that to happen to me again. I do it in football, too, where I'm a Bears fan. But damn, if I don't like watching Aaron Rodgers play. Yep. Like, I don't yeah, like. Yeah, and that's that religious. Yes, a Bears fan, absolutely, yeah. man. And I hate the Packers, right? But but man, to, to this guy is a phenomenal quarterback. Right? so 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 now like as I'm as, as I'm older now and'm I'm, and I'm watching these games now I tend to I tend to watch players I still have my teams but I like watching greatness I like watching great players do great things and rise to to to
1: moments yep no no I I, I hear you I, I think I definitely have more of an appreciation for um players now um you know obviously LeBron uh Kobe I think I watch lebron now and i go man you know 10 years from now 20 years from now we're gonna look back and go look what this guy did you know what with what little he had um you know kobe i think we'll look back and and really appreciate some of the things he did and you know with the kobe thing i remember it being risky like they let shaq go and picked kobe over shaq right i I don't know if you remember that you know that whole thing one of them had to go and you go, they were right. It took them a couple of years to pay off. They had to get the right team around Kobe, but it, it paid off. And I think I didn't appreciate back then the Kobe. I think looking at it now, same as you, as I have this um this appreciation for these great players, even in the NFL, I watch guys. Um, You know, there's guys who I think are, are one and done or have, you can have a great year, one or two, you know, as a rookie, as a sophomore, some of these guys come out and they ball out. And the NFL I always look at it as what happens when people have tape on you? And and they've got 16, 32 games of tape and they know your weaknesses. Show me what you do then. And I think people like Patrick Mahomes, you know, I think at the time I went, man, you know, great. Do it. Do it consistently. And and Patrick's gotten to the point where I'm going, OK, Patrick's special. Um, Lamar Jackson, I'm still on the fence on. Right. I think Lamar had a great first year. OK, you know, let's see you do it for two or three. It has to be sustainable. Um But I think just enjoying, you know, I I enjoy Rodgers. I enjoy as a Titans fan, it hurts to watch anybody in the AFC. But Peyton, I think watching Peyton and going, wow, just a masterful command of the game, you know. And yeah, I think watching this Jordan thing, you go, I wonder if at the time people knew how great John Stockton makes a great point at the time where he goes like no it's just another player you know he's obviously michael but listen we got to think how we think because we're we have if we go there if we go into that thinking like oh my god this is michael jordan these are the bulls you know we're gonna lose and i think if at that point they're almost peers right they're probably like and they're another basketball team like we're a basketball team and i think stockton probably looks at himself and carl malone going oh you've got two first ballot hall of famers like you know we've got a shot here this isn't impossible remember those guys were dream teamers too yeah yeah, that's, and that's what I'm saying. I go, if you look at that dream team, how many guys on that roster do we not talk about because of Michael? I mean, other than Larry and Magic, right? I am saying most of them. Most of them you don't talk about because Jordan kept them from getting their due. Like, and I just kept thinking about them. Like, wow, man, Barkley? Barkley's known more now as an announcer than he was as a player. Right, like, cause he's fun. He says whatever uh, comes to mind. I, I love Barkley as a as a commentator. I think people recognize Barkley more from that than they do as a player. I, I, even till this, when I saw highlights of Barkley playing, I'm like, man, I forgot how good he was. And you go and Reggie, you know, you talk about those games of Reggie, the the, the push off, how he was tortured. And growing up in Jersey, you get a lot of Knicks games, right? So I watched a lot of Knicks games. Um, I was a Nets fan growing up. You know, still in the Nets fan, but. It, reggie was when he came to town you were just like oh reggie you know and we don't talk about reggie miller anymore man and, and and that's because of mj right like you're not gonna look back and from 2005 to 2025 and go yep that was so-and-so's era or even 2005 to 2015 yep that was jordan's era you're gonna go uh oh, there's a little bit of lebron there's a little bit of duncan there's a little bit of kobe That's not we're gonna look back on jordan's era the 90s and go jordan, jordan. and he kept Everyone from the record book. Everyone, like all time greats, all time greats kept them from the record book. Well, even, and, and
0: even, you know, earlier we talked about the, the Rockets winning there too. And it was like, it's, it's almost forgotten.
1: Be, I do. Because forgotten.
0: of that, because of that. What the hell? And, and I forgot what the hell they called it. It's like the, the, the
1: repeat three-peat. Yep. The repeat I, three-peat. Yep. Like, oh, man, what a great
0: name, right? But that, yeah,
1: that, that, that will forever. Own the 90s do you think it's hypothetical right but do you think you know a lot of people go they would have won eight in a row do you think that would have happened could they have absolutely
0: would they have again and I think I go back to the wear and tear on your body when you're playing the 82 game season plus the playoffs and the finals and when you you do that every year and then right and then you throw in a couple Olympics in there you know that's it's it, it becomes it becomes a mental game at that point, right? It's it's not it's not only physical wear and tear in your body; it's also a mental game, and it's just it's it's difficult. Could you know MJ? The, could he have the mindset to do it? Absolutely. Could
1: he bring everybody else along for that ride? I don't know. You know what um, stood out to me. The most and i don't know why but it was like the first thing i jotted down I, I grabbed my phone and i took a note because i wanted to um make sure i brought this up but and i think it's because it was more surprising than anything phil jackson during it's either game one or game three or something it's a game in utah and they're getting just bashed i mean uh, just smoked uh, and it's like the first quarter it's halftime or something like that and there's a timeout and phil jackson goes um this is a scary fucking situation. Like, get your goddamn heads in the yes. game. And I remember thinking, "Holy shit, aren't you supposed to be the Zen Master?" And he sounds panicked. Like he goes, "Like guys, this is a scary, fu-. you know, like the way he says it." You're going, "Oh shit!" Like you know, because you have this reverence, I think, of Phil Jackson of just being so calm all the time, and that Bulls team being so dominant. And to hear Phil go, "Like yo, this is," I think he sensed like it can get out of hand. It's the, the the obviously, the, the physical nature of your beat down. It's a long season. You know, like, get your shit. But the mental aspect of anything of what does an ass whooping like this do to you mentally? Right. And if you're Jordan, it motivates you next game to drop, you know, 60. If you're the rest of that team, it's demoralizing. Like, he even tells uh, Ahmad Rashad, he goes, uh, stay the fuck away from Scott Burrell. You're not allowed to talk to Scott Burrell because Ahmad Rashad makes a comment like there's the ones who can and the ones who can't. And I think he senses like these, most people have fragile psyches, right? Don't say that to Scott Burrell because Scott Burrell can't handle that. Um, And I just thought it was to me hearing Phil Jackson, someone who I have so much respect for, and I think most people have respect for thinking of he's always keeps us cool saying something like that just shows, I think he understood the moment. I think if that series goes seven, they probably don't win. Um I think the mind games of what does again and they did lose they got blown out, I think in that game, maybe it came down to a last shot or something, but I think he understood the mind games of what a loss like that could do to you um because for him to say, this is a scary fucking situation, you know, when you're up two o or whatever it was at the time um yeah, I don't recall which
0: I don't recall his game, yeah, I, I
1: can't remember what the game was, but I just remember him saying that and me going, Oh wow like phil jackson just said you know this is a scary situation someone who's always so calm so you know you talk about the the the, um the meditation where he does the thing with the letters and you know again just ahead of his time i think in sports because sports was such a alpha thing and we're men and we keep our feelings buttoned in blah, right. Blah, right and for him in 98 to go like we're gonna write our feelings down and mj writes a poem which i would i would pay like a ridiculous amount of money to to know what jordan's poem said but i think it spoke to how um you know i think him being on the tail end and probably spitting his thoughts on a piece of paper of like this is what this meant to be i i i would have loved to hear something like that i'm kind of glad they didn't because it keeps the mystique around it but just knowing that something like that happened to me because yeah, really it's probably cool. bad yeah <laughs> it's like y'all suck i'm tired of carrying you yeah <laughs> <laughs> shout out to steve kerr for hitting one shot and so we yeah.
0: <laughs> but no no very, very true about you know like i said that's why they call him the zen master right Kind of kept things, kind of kept things in in, in control. It actually reminds me of um, not him being chaotic, but the Zen. There's a there's an old story of of Joe Montana, like Super Bowl, I believe they were playing against the Bengals. They're down. It's the last drive, and the the team gets into the huddle and um obviously the time's running you no, know, clock's running down right so this is ele- this, this is it it's either do or die and he goes hey guys look it's john candy in the stands <laughs> and so everybody looks over and it's like oh shit yeah and then he's like and then he just calls the play and then but everybody the, the guys in the, in the huddle are just like like we're good like the our leader like he he got it he's watching people in the stands yeah like
1: he's got it there's and we talk about that all the time of um there's such a difference between people who are james harden is can put up 50 can score at will almost whenever he wants to except when it matters Right. Like there's there's a difference between there's that it thing. there's It's the Derek Jeter thing. Right. Derek Jeter. Not not going to hit. A, uh He's not going to hit 50 home runs a season. He's not going to be the, you know, like the most productive guy. But when it mattered, Derek came through. If you needed a, a hit to right field to bring in a runner from second, Derek was going to get it. If you needed a home run at the right time. Derek, for whatever reason was going to get it it's there's there's something that separates from a dna or just a a a mindset perspective these guys who deliver when it matters i remember a rod you remember when before the yankees won that 2009 world series a rod was bashing balls left and right because he was juiced to the max but he couldn't deliver, right? Like the one thing to me steroids doesn't do is you can't, it doesn't do anything about your mindset. It doesn't do anything about your nerves. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how fast your reflexes are. I don't care about the ball. When there are 40,000 fans snapping pictures, it's the bottom of the knife, game six of a world series. This hit wins it for you. I don't care how juiced up you are. Nothing helps you in that situation, man. That's, that's DNA. That's, that's maybe being there and learning from it and, and grit or whatever it is. But there's something that, that happens there that separates everyone. You know, you remember Tiger, when Tiger had that crazy run and people would just go, his presence scared people. And, and, and it's the mental part of the game. Like these guys, you, you know, we, we talked a little bit about it last episode where to get to that level, you have to be so good. So then what separates you and it's that that the mental, the mental part separates you from everyone else of we're all equally as good from a talent perspective, maybe, right? Like we can all, you know, you figure Steve Kerr was sitting shooting in a gym and he threw up a hundred shots. He'd probably hit 90 of them. Right. But at Steve Kerr, if you had to give him the ball with three seconds left, you know, obviously he hits that game winner there, but like how many times does Steve Kerr deliver on that? And how many times does MJ deliver on that? Like there's a difference between that. Um, that I think separates the the good, which everyone in professional sports is good to the, you know, the greats and then the legendary where you will go, give me the ball. Um, and that was MJ. Give me the ball.
0: That's it. And on that note, Whew. another episode. Thanks for joining us on the Carbon footprint. Yeah. We will hit you guys back up next week. Um, don't know
1: what the topic is yet but we'll figure it out out. yeah man we'll just talk smack if you guys have something that you want to hear us talk about you know send it our way uh drop a comment uh instagram twitter facebook youtube we'll put some stuff up everywhere um email us whatever you got to do we'll we'll drop the information uh when we post the episode but uh yeah thank you guys for listening thanks yeah